Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Today's show brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, lively low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All, I am your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show while you're at it, at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe to us. If you haven't already, you can check it out on all podcasts and streaming platforms. Leave a rating and a comment, too. It's the playoffs. We're going to be hosting a giveaway. So uh, go ahead, leave a rating and a comment, and get yourself into that giveaway. A man who I bet is definitely going to get on that because he's going to want to win what I got in store. Brandon Cameron at BNS for Cameron 222 on Twitter. Brandon, you're going to be getting in on this giveaway. You're going to head to iTunes. What's the prize? What's the prize, man? Hey, I will be announcing the prize at the end of the week. Oh, wow. Yes. I will be getting in on that. I love free stuff. There's nothing I love more than something for free, my guy. I know that's the fact. I know that is a fact for you. Um, All right, so big game day today. The Leafs taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets in game two. So Toronto down 1-0 in the best of five series. So pretty important game tonight as uh, as you don't want to go down 2-0 in a best of five because, again, it's a race to three instead of four. You go down 2-0. Now you got to win three straight, and uh, that's that's going to be awfully difficult against uh, against the Columbus three Blue Jackets. Four. They have to win three or four. They got to win three. What? They got to win three or four. You said they got to win three straight. Well, if they go down. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, my bad. I, I yeah. my bad. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll preview that game going down tonight uh, a little bit later on. But first, I kind of want to talk about what's been going on around the NHL and the playoffs in general because. For the first time in a long time, we do actually have a full slate of hockey games to discuss um, the entire weekend of the playoffs. Yeah. We're pretty successful. Uh, some really, really good storylines coming away from the weekend. So we're going to discuss that. So my first question to you, Brandon, what have you learned after the opening weekend of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, honestly, I don't think a lot of teams in the playing rounds are going to win the Cup. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> but I I don't I don't I don't think a lot of teams have a real good chance. I think there's a couple of teams in there that have that have a shot, but like Pittsburgh, I think looks pretty good, even though they lost game one. I I I've liked what I've seen from Pittsburgh. They won they won last night, so I uh, I like their lineup. I like the way they played. I I think they have a shot at like making a run. But if Chicago ends up beating the Oilers, if Montreal comes back and ends up beating the Penguins, like. They're going to get bounced. Like they're <laughs> they're going to get bounced in the next round. They're not they're not particularly great teams. I also think the Oilers will get bounced if they end up beating Chicago as well. I'm I do have not enjoyed what I've seen from the Oilers. To be honest with you, I've been they've let me down. I mean, McDavid hat trick. <laughs> McDavid is fine. McDavid is great. McDavid is McDavid, but the Oilers wing. <sighs> Yeah, he and needs some help. The he wingers on the help. honestly, man, there's there's two wingers on the entire Oilers roster that I would take on my team. Yamamoto and Nuge and Nuge, who you could even argue is a centerman. A center, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Yamamoto. Everyone else, I I could part with. <laughs> yeah, um, something that that I have learned, I think, is I didn't think highly enough of the Philadelphia Flyers going into this thing. Yeah. I think they were a team who 
you know, kind of snuck into that, that top four and ended up getting the bye. They really, really quietly had an amazing end of the season. I think I saw they won like nine of the last 11 or 10 of the last 11 games or something like that and just snuck themselves into that bye spot. And then you take a look at what they did um, in, in their first exhibition game, big win there. And then you take a look at the game that they had just the other night against, ooh, who'd they play, Boston? Boston. Yeah, Boston, right. A big win against Boston. So I really like what, what Philly's doing. And, and I don't know why I didn't give them enough credit going into the season because I actually, when you take a look at their roster, they've got a That's really, a really – they've got a solid team. Like a good team. A good, a good young goaltender in Carter Hart who I think – Great young defense. Yeah, I think that – but to just to real quick, I think Carter Hart is going to be one of the most elite goaltenders uh, for the next – 10 to 15 years. I think he's that good. I think that he can be a top five goalie year in, year out. And Philly, I think, finally has found their goaltender that they've been searching for since, I don't know, maybe Hextall. Um, and I think that, that, that him, along with, you mentioned the D, I think Sanheim is coming into his own. Ivan Provorov, uh, a great, great defenseman. Um, Sammy Morin's out there. Uh, who's the young Phil Myers ended up scoring a goal in that game. He's a really good young defenseman. Uh, they've got so many other really, really good pieces on their team. And then we didn't even talk about Claude Giroux, Jacob Voracek, Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny. The list goes on and on and on. And honestly, I feel like Philly is, it's going to be a handful for whoever they end up getting in the first round. It could be Toronto. Right, like if Philly ends up winning the first round and everything goes as planned, I guess, and and they beat they beat Boston. So as of now, I think Philly right now has a pretty good handle on the first pick because I think is it going to go by goal differential for? Uh, do you is, know? Is, I, I actually don't. I think it, I thought it was going to go on record, like right by record against each other, wasn't it? I guess, but when you're just four teams, it really could end up as like a big four-way tie at some point if everyone just beats everybody. But regardless, uh, you know, after today you saw Washington falling to Tampa 3-2. So, you know, Washington has a loss and Boston's got a loss. So now it's just Philly and Tampa up at top. But by goal differential, I guess Philly has, you know, more – is it what, a plus three, I guess, in goal differential? So – Philly, they're a team that uh, I, I slept on a little bit heading into this process that now I think deserves my attention, deserves my respect. And that's a team who I, I don't know if I want the Leafs to have to play in round one, if I'm being quite honest with you. Well, I, I'm, in, I'm in the opposite camp, actually. If there's one of the four Eastern Conference teams that I want to play in the first round, it's Philly. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I thought that too it, going really. into it. I thought that too going in. I was like, Philly seems like the one team – of the top four that the Leafs could probably handle pretty easily. But I don't know, man. That team scares me a little bit. I don't know what it is about them, but I, I fear a little bit with Philly. Um, a couple other big things, big storylines going on. Uh, the Hurricanes with a big 2 nothing stranglehold on the series against the Rangers. Fetchnikov with a hat trick, being the first Carolina Hurricane to ever score a playoff hat trick too last night. Um, is it possible? for us to even say that the Rangers, although were the underdog, quote-unquote underdog, because they're the lower seed in this in this series, is it safe to say that they are, or is it fair to say that they're underachieving in this series against the Hurricanes? Because I had sky-high expectations for this team. 
I really did. I thought they were going to beat Carolina easily. And now, and, and that's saying something because I love the Hurricanes. But I thought that the Rangers had a solid, solid team. Have, are they underachieving or did I just put too much expectations on them? Honestly, bro, uh, I'm going to walk back my earlier take. And that was uh, I only think one team can make a cup run because I think Carolina can. Yeah. They've already proven they can. They were in the conference finals literally last year. That's something that I that that's a narrative I haven't heard anyone talk about. But Carolina was in the conference finals as soon as last year with the same team they have now. That they, bunch of like, jerks. They are should be heavy, heavy, heavy favorites over the Rangers. And quite honestly, they've dummied them. Yeah. <laughs> like quite honestly, like they've dummied them, and as they should, as they should. I mean, King Henrik hasn't played well. Shosturkin hasn't been able to play. I feel like if. Igor Shosturkin, their young up-and-coming Russian tendy, if he was able to play in this playoffs, um, which he might be good to go for tomorrow, uh, and that would be, you know, with a do-or-die situation, maybe he gives them a nice spark. But, you know, King Henrik hasn't looked like the uh, the all-star Hall of Famer like he has throughout his entire career. He's, he's looked a little shaky um, against the Hurricanes. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's costing this team. Panarin hasn't. He hasn't been unreal. He did score a goal in yesterday's game, um, but still in a losing effort. I don't know. I just I uh, I firmly thought that if there was one team that was going to make an upset and go on a bit of a run, for me, my dark horse team was the Rangers. And to see them being manhandled here by Carolina just makes me feel like an idiot. To be honest with you, that I had that that, that strong feelings against uh, for them. It doesn't surprise me they're getting manhandled by Carolina, but I I also thought if there was a, a to be fair, I also probably did have the thought if there was a team to kind of be the underdog that does kind of do some damage, it probably would I probably would have guessed the Rangers over Chicago or Montreal. <laughs> like I, I probably would have guessed the Rangers before the other two. So I will concede that that the Rangers for sure are a bigger surprise that they're getting sort of right yeah. but I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say I'm particularly surprised uh one last storyline that I think has consumed a lot of this weekend was Matthew Kachuk's hit on Mark Shifley where he kind of dug his skate into the back half of Shifley uh getting him kicked out of game one um or he didn't get kicked out but Shifley left game one it was about five minutes into the game didn't play game two either uh not fine not suspended but if you ask paul maurice he thought it was on purpose he thought it was reckless disgusting many other adjectives he used that weren't so nice towards arrest uh, him arrest him right now what are your thoughts on the hit because i'll give you my thoughts first i personally did not think that this was uh i didn't think it was in, in as intentional as paul maurice is coming out saying now um, yeah, I think he, I think Kachuk intended to hit Shifley in maybe a greasier way than than you would have liked. Even not like if you actually watch the play, it doesn't look greasy at all. It just you know he he's going into the boards and he just end up lifting his foot. Whether or not he was doing that on purpose, I mean, we'll never actually know. I don't believe it was on purpose. I, I think that I, it just I, I will say I will say I think Kachuk had some malicious intent with his check, but there was no intent with his skate. That, that's what I will – there was absolutely no intent to well, cut Shifley with his skate. Well, that is obviously not the if case. Was, I think he had some intent to hurt Shifley, but – If it was anybody else, right? Let's say yeah. this was – it was Elias Lindholm coming in to lay that hit. Is Paul Murray sounding off like this? No. No. It's just the fact that Kachuk does have a very reckless history, 
And so you just think like, okay, well, he's had, you know, a, a history of doing some dirty over the line things before he probably is doing it again and trying to get rid of one of our best players so that they can win. That's what I'm assuming is going through Paul yeah. Maurice's mind. No, I, 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 just about, I was just about to chime in with that. Like, I think there's some elements here where Matthew Kachuk took out Winnipeg's best player. Matthew Kachuk's Calgary's best player. So Paul Maurice is going to advocate for them to lose their best player as well. You just, you, oh, yeah. that's what she would root. That's what you want. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was a, some bit of showmanship a little bit in yeah. Maurice trying to get him suspended or trying to get him fined, trying to throw off uh, Matt Kachuk a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that that hit and the fact that Shifley was out was that kind of bulletin board material that Winnipeg used today to end up getting the win over Calgary to tie up uh, tie up the series. So um, at the end of the day, I guess Winnipeg got the – well, I, I shouldn't say they got the final laugh because there's still a there's few still more games time. to go in this series. But, you know, they responded well after that game despite missing both Shifley and Patrick Laine. Still and, a tough – still a really tough loss. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I feel for Winnipeg, though, like that – Shifley is an awesome player. <laughs> oh, 100%. He's, he's, he's an elite player in this league. There's, there's no doubt about it. They're going to miss him greatly. Like, you don't replace Mark Shifley. He's, he's yeah. irreplaceable. Um, but if there's one thing that we do know about Paul Maurice, you know, a guy leaves that lineup and it's a next man up mentality. They did it all year long with the D. Keep in mind, this is a team that lost five of their six defensemen this year. Five all of, of their, their right th- side. They lost all yes. of their right side. <laughs> yes, and still, somehow, I mean, COVID helped a little bit, but crawled their way to a playoff spot. So, how the Bucks going to win the Vesna? I mean, that's a big reason for it, obviously, and he played exceptional today as well, um, or yesterday as well. But you just, you know, it's a next man up mentality, and and I, I'm not doubting. Even if, let's say that Shifley's out for the series, I'm not sold that that is going to be a backbreaker and Winnipeg can't overcome it. I yeah, truly I don't think I believe that they could overcome something like that. Yeah. No, they can. They've proven they can. They've proven they can. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Let's chat about the game that matters. The series Ooh. that matters. Ooh. Leafs, Blue Jackets, game two, tonight. Uh, that'll be going down. How important of a win will this be for the Leafs? How important is it for them to get the win? You think about it, you fall down 0-2, and I alluded to it before, now you're really in a hole. Now you're forced to legitimately go out there and you are going to be forced to win all three of the next games if you go down 0-2. They cannot afford to do that. Tonight is almost a must-win game, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? I think it is a must-win. I don't think it's almost. I think it is. Well, I, think I mean, lose, they could... I think you, I, if you lose tonight, you're done. <laughs> like uh, if, if the Leafs lose tonight, they're getting swept by Columbus. It's a uh, luck of the not tonight. They play this afternoon. They play. If they lose this afternoon, they're toast. They're getting yeah. swept. Like I, they they don't stand a chance. They have to win tonight. Tonight's I, a must must win for the Maple Leafs. I don't think it's a sweep. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that it'll end up being a sweep. But it's certainly going to be an important game for the Leafs to win tonight. Um, one of the big things that kind of cost them game one was just, you know, the inability to to cut through that tight checking yeah. 
Um, that just the tight play of the Columbus Blue Jackets, that structure that they played with, they weren't able to kind of cut through it. What adjustments, in your opinion, need to be made today for the Leafs to finally get themselves into the series, onto the scoreboard, and try and find some success tonight offensively? Well, the one thing from, from game one that I really noticed that the Leafs actually had some – the one thing that really kind of broke Columbus's defenses down was going from behind the goal line to the slot. So they just got to find a way to get the puck down low and get it back up high really fast because that's the only way to make the Columbus defenders at all move because otherwise they're just a huge wall in your way that you can't, you can't penetrate. That's the only way they can get through that defense, and it's the way they'll have to do it. So they have to – like, I'm specifically referring to that ex- – basically the exact play that Matthews was robbed by Corpus Allo. Like, that's the type of stuff that maybe we need to find a way to get more done, or Columbus is just going to – they're going to wall. They're going to turtle. They're going to turtle. That's probably the better the better description there. They're going to turtle. Yeah, I, I think they somehow – you know, they, they do need to penetrate through that. Like you think about when the Leafs have possession, the offensive zone, Columbus, you know, they really, they just let them kind of pass the puck around the outside perimeter and then just cut off the shooting lanes. And and the Leafs, they had a lot of, of puck possession time in the offensive zone, but didn't come out with a lot of scoring chances. And that's purely because Columbus just really, they just collapsed and, and didn't allow many shots onto Corpus Allo. It was just, you know, or not many grade A shots, at least onto him, nothing from the slot. Um, and the times that they did get some chances out in front, they turned into really grade A scoring opportunities that the Leafs almost did score on, like the Matthews goal. So I think that they need to get closer to the net. That's that's the thing that they have to do. One of the adjustments, they need to somehow figure out a way to penetrate that collapsing box and find some shooting lanes um, and, and just get pucks to the net. I know that's a cliche, but it's just something that they didn't do often enough uh, against them in game one that they're certainly going to need to do in game two. The other thing that I think that they need to do, and this is kind of alludes to what we talked about yesterday, you and I, about how good Jones was. Seth Jones was yeah. a problem, and he's going to be a problem for the rest of this series. But a way that you can kind of negate his strong play is to play him strong. Like, if you play him a little heavier, you know, you weaken him throughout the game by going out, laying some hits, leaning on him a little bit. You know, you tire out those legs so that in the third period, he's not quite at 100%. And that's when I think a guy like like Tavares or Nylander or Marner or Matthews could kind of take advantage of him if he's, you know, feeling a little weak in the legs from being leaned on all game long. I think that's something uh, that yeah. they could also do a little bit, just play a little heavier against their top pairing defensive unit. I actually thought I, I actually thought Austin Matthews in game one was was actually pretty good at that. Like he did. He did I thought little, he I thought he did that a little better than he usually money. does. Like I, I I was really impressed with the way he actually like Austin Matthews kind of dug in and he he like gr- he was grinding in the corners a little. Bit. But it's a team game. They all got to yeah. do it. Like at the that's, end of the day, they the all thing. have I, to do it. And I think the key for game two is the Maple Leafs need that from Mitch Marner and John Tavares, or they're going to lose. Yeah, like I, that's. I, I totally they need agree. that from those guys. They they really need that for those guys in those in game two. They they Marner and, and Tavares can't afford to lay an egg two games in a row. No, they're they their top guys. Done. Their top guys need to play like their top guys. They need to come out and they need to start scoring and get it's the way they're built. The sheet. It is. They're they're it's the way they're built. They it, it's just a matter of fact. The Maple Leafs are built behind John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. 100 
if none of those guys score, they are objectively in, in some trouble. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and I think that's another reason why you look at Nick Robertson being on the team, and he just adds another little bit of an element of offensiveness so that if those guys do get shut down by this team, um, which they proved to do in game one, at least you feel good about your third line coming as that next that next wave, you know, that depth score. They have a chance because with Robertson, that line has a chance to score. It, right, exactly. With that line, Robertson has it. Or with Robertson on that line, the third line does have a chance to score. I'm not confident they're going to score every game. I don't think they're going to score every game. Well, you don't but expect they to. have a chance to score because they have another scoring player yeah. on their line instead of Peter Engvall just skating in his lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Engvall, he's actually going to be checking in for Freddie Gauthier today, and I believe that is all the – roster adjustments that's going to be made going into it uh, unless something gets announced later in the day or before the game. But, you know, Engvall going in for Gauthier as the fourth line center role. Uh, do you like that move? I like that move if they're going to play more than three minutes. <laughs> what? <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. I, I thought it was a pretty weird – it was an interesting Keith move to not at all play as fourth line – in a playoff game. I, I kind of liked that. I did, I'll be honest, I didn't miss the Goche line that much. I would have liked to see Spezza maybe get a little shot because Spezza probably could have produced some offense at some point. Spezza has like kind of proven, even in the regular season, that he kind of can be the one guy that kind of puts up a goal in a game like that where the Leafs are kind of having a hard time getting going or having something. Spezza is the kind of guy that does kind of do that. But uh, they're lo- they're, the line's not great. <laughs> no. and, and The like, line's not the best. You take a look, you know, eight eight shifts for Spezza, eight shifts for Gauthier, Kyle Clifford, seven shifts there. Gauthier played just a hair over four, four minutes in a game, 42 of that coming uh, shorthanded as well. So, you know, Freddie Gauthier, yeah, I don't think you're going to miss him. He only played four minutes in a losing effort. So, and plus, you know, playing Gauthier, I think they did that purposely. They they put him um, to kill some penalties just to see what it would look like. Um, they just didn't get any penalties. <laughs> yeah, but I think also you just think about it. Engvall is a guy who can kill penalties, right? He is somebody yeah. who um, Keith trusts out there on the penalty kill too. So I think that also helps. Not that the least played, you know, didn't give up a lot of um, penalties anyways, and they didn't look terrible on the penalty kill, but you know, you got a guy like Pierre Engvall who, if I'm not mistaken, was it, he scored a shorthanded goal. Wasn't that his first goal of, of his career? Yeah. Shorty anyways. So also, Pierre Engvall can kind of skate, which is kind oh, of what, and I, I, I'll be honest. I'll take Pierre Engvall in my lineup. We're afraid of the goat. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be a good, a good swap out. You know, we gave goat the opportunity to do it. Um, the thing is like, go, I feel like being a first round pick, being a, a, a guy who plays a quote unquote, quote unquote, heavy game. There was expectations that he so would play for a heavy guy. Well, that's the thing, right? So there was expectations that he would play a heavy game against Columbus. And that's kind of what was needed out of, uh, out of your bottom six. And now, especially when you got a guy like Robertson in there on that third line, there's not much meat to him. So you at least need that fourth line to go out there and bang bodies. And, and Goche shies away from that a little bit. So at least Pierre Engvall, also a big dude. He's, what, 6'4", I think, over 200 pounds. Like, Engvall's a big boy. He'll go out there. He's got some speed. He'll bang the body. He'll uh, go out there, kill penalties, get in front of pucks. So I, I think Engvall just brings, brings more to the table than Gauthier does. And 
like you said, at the end of the day, if they're going to play less than five minutes through the game, they're just there to spell that top six uh, or that top top nine, I guess, for a couple of shifts throughout the entire game. So if they're playing under five minutes, I don't even think it's that big of a deal to be talking about this. But yeah. I, I feel like if it's Angval in there over Goche, maybe, maybe we see um, – kind of more even play Maybe seven to nine minute range yeah like a little more even play with this team with, with this fourth line like you, you take a look at what happened on the flip side and take a look at the fourth line from columbus from last game and they all played nearly 10 minutes a game i think the lowest game so yeah liam foodie had over 13 minutes and then the other two on the actually team, i actually Armstrong really noticed Robinson. liam foodie Liam Foody actually stood out really well in game one for Columbus. He did. Actually. He, yeah. I actually thought he had a really was that that was that was his first NHL game, right? Yep. Yep. Same as Robertson. He did the same thing as Robertson. Eric Robinson, yeah, he did he did as well. Um, but Eric Robertson, um, or Robinson, sorry. He, he, he also had a really good opportunity. He had that yeah. shorthanded breakaway um that he wasn't able to do anything with. But he played on the fourth line, got up nine and a half minutes. And Emil Benstrom also nine minutes. So maybe we see something more like that with the fourth line for Toronto tonight. Because I think if you look at a guy like Kyle Clifford and Jason Spezza, they know how to play in the playoffs. They've both made deep playoff yeah. runs. Um, Spezza's gone to a cup final. Kyle Clifford, he's got two cup rings. Like the guy knows how to play. They can both play physical if you ask them to. And now you get a guy like Pierre Engvall out there. I think that, that is, uh, that's something that, it's a much more playable line. Yes, 100%. It's, be <laughs> it's a much more playable line. Much I, I, I will concede that. It's a much more playable line. Do you expect maybe some first – not that we're going to get it, actually. At this point, we don't anticipate any adjustments here defensively, but are there anything that you would do to the defensive unit here, like maybe move around Tyson Berry or Sandine, get him into the lineup, move out CC or move up Dermot? Is there anything that comes to mind that you think you would do if you were Sheldon Keith going from game one to game two? Going from game I don't I know what I'd want on their defensive line, but I, I don't I also don't know what I wouldn't make that change going from game one into game two in a playoff series. You know what I mean? I would like to see Dermot up in the lineup playing with Riley. I would like to, I would like to see that yeah. because the Maple Leafs kind of need that to happen at some point or they need to move on from Dermot. <laughs> right. Like quite literally that is what has to happen or... oh yeah because you look down the lineup you got muzzin riley sandine those are going to be your one two three guys next year and then what are you gonna do with dermot you're going to have to move on from them or you're gonna have to move to the right side so you and know, that's a decision a that has like to happen this summer yeah you got a guy like that's a decision that happens this summer because he's a free agent yeah so you got to get rid of him there um so i'd like to see that but i don't i don't see that happening because i i also wouldn't do it now either because it's not the time it's it's really not the time to try that experiment because there wasn't much – I wouldn't say there was much wrong with their game in game one. Okay. I could take that. Yeah. There's not uh, much to change. All right. Last one for you before we take off here, before we get ready for game two, got to ask you, what's your prediction for tonight's game? I think the Leafs will – I think the Leafs will – find a way through this game. I think they'll... Do you want me, can I predict score? you want me to predict score, too? Yep. 
Okay, I'm thinking five two Maple Leafs. All right, all right. I'm thinking four. With an empty two. netter. With an empty netter. With five two with an empty netter. <laughs> I'm thinking. I said with an empty netter before. You said four two. Don't worry. That's fair. That's fair. I'm thinking four two. Um, I think that they finally get through the wall that was the Columbus Blue Jackets defensive unit, whether that means like a team defensive unit. Um, also the fact that Corpus Allo was, was unbeatable that night as well. I don't think he can replicate that. Um, I think Corpus Allo, you know, he had a great game, a terrific game. And he played really well early on in the season as well. And then Merzlikens came on and had a really good year. So, I honestly thought that it was going to be end up being Merzlikens getting the start for game one against Columbus and was kind of shocked to see Corpus Allo end up earning that start. He certainly, certainly deserved it after what he did do in yeah. that first game. Definitely deserves game two. I don't I think, see it going as well as game one did. So I think the Leafs are going to end up going and uh, and taking that one. I'm taking, I'm also going to guess a not one, but two goal performance from our man. Austin Matthews, he's going to get the better of Seth Jones tomorrow night. 4-2 Maple Leafs. Book it. There's my prediction. No thoughts, eh? Left, left you speechless? Left me speechless. <laughs> no, I, I, that's a good take. I, I, I think Matthews scores one, but I also I think Mitch Marner finishes with like four points, to be honest with you. Four points and a, you, so a goal and three assists. Five, eh? All a, right. goal, a goal and three assists. So big night from the big boys. That's what we're predicting. Everyone is going yeah. to have a good bounce back performance and get the win. All right. That is going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow as we do a post-game recap of Game 2 between the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. Leafs trying to knot the series up at one apiece. Puck drop at 4 p.m. Enjoy the game, everyone. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.